Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on, the beat goes on, drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain, la-da-da-da-dee, la-da-da-da-da, Charleston was once the rage
or maybe the third day of spring. And uh, what's going on? A lot of things are going on. The beat goes on. Prohibition continues. We got some victories. We've had some defeats. We're going to talk about it all today. Um, a lot, lot, lot going on. Um, I think what we're going to do. I'm not going to do my normal rambling monologue to start the show. I may pontificate a little between some of these topics, but we have a lot of ground to cover today, and hopefully Craig Cecil will be calling in today as um, he didn't call in last week, which means he was probably on lockdown, and he'll he'll hopefully give us an update about what's going on. Um, we have uh, some great guests today. We have a... Uh, update from our friendly Manitoba chapter, and once again, we have a situation where um, the, the leadership of Canada had pledged that we were going to um, have legalization in Canada, and what happened, uh, they're sh systematically shutting down all the access points in Canada. California passed a recreational bill. And what happened? Well, we had a trial that ended up today. We're going to get detail about that. More trials coming. We also have a, uh, one of our members um, was fired for cannabis use. Only he didn't use cannabis. So we're hopefully going to be hearing from them today and, and we're going to talk about wrongful termination and uh, cannabis. Uh, all of these things have to do with civil rights. They all have to do with our rights. They all have to do with prohibition. Shauna Band is on the line right now, and uh, Stacy Swanson Krauss. Uh, Stacy's going to give us an update from uh, our Midwest chapter in Kansas, as well as uh, Shauna's got a big announcement about a fundraiser event, and uh, we're going to talk about her upcoming trial and uh, what all we can do to stand there with the folks that are standing up for our rights. Um, so much going on, so we're just going to go ahead and get started. Uh, we're going to bring up Shauna and Stacy first. Uh, Shauna's going through a lot of health issues, and her uh, uh, energy level tends to wane. So when I uh, don't bring her on until later on in the show, she tends to fizzle out. So uh, she's on fire right now. We're going to go ahead and bring her aboard. And whoops, I got the wrong one there. Here we go. Let's try the right one. Shauna Banda and Stacy Swanson Crafts, welcome to a cup of Joe. Hi, Joe. Thanks for having us. Good oh, evening. Oh, absolutely. So tell me what's going on. I understand there's a big musical event going on, uh getting getting ready to start out there. Oh yeah. Well we're still trying to find a venue for an actual event, so that hasn't been set up yet on the date. But what did happen was a grassroots worldwide compilation album that was put together from uh, groups from all over the world and uh, actual uh, testimony um, that was put in amidst all of the music. And the way that it was put together was just amazing. I've been in tears uh, listening to the music and the testimonial of others. It is just so overwhelmingly beautiful what has transpired. And um, and this is all just in support to help me uh, gain uh, funds for my legal defense. 
and uh, that will start, the trial starts on April 7th, and it's the very beginning, and no. so we have uh, medical expert testimony from Dr. Bob Melamede, Dr. David Allen, uh, Dr. Petro, and it will be a phenomenal event. So it's not going to be the main trial, but it's going to be a main aspect of the trial, and I'm quite excited for that one to start. So uh, tell me a little bit more about this uh, this album that was made. What? How, how long has this been in the works? This has been in the works for several months now, and uh, Christina Shine over in the U.K. has been able to put it all together. Um, she has a band called uh, THC, which is The Higher Craft, and um, she's cut a great album over there, and she really was uh, the mastermind behind it all, and I really want to thank her and Stacy both. Um, for putting in so much work and and effort in this, along with all of the bands who um, put forth music, I mean there are there are uh, bands from over the world, so uh, they're not all in English, and it just it just was so beautifully put together. I'm quite pleased with it, and I believe it's only uh, nine ninety nine for a download of an eighty six track album that is. History. Wow, I mean, we're making tracks for history. 999. That sounds like quite a deal. <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited, and people are really um, excited about the music. We're getting lots and lots of positive feedback, and um, I'm I'm just quite pleased. I don't know what to say. Gratitude uh, is not enough. The word of thanks is not enough. You know, there's a there's even a song in there called Live Free or Die, and it's just it, it's just so overwhelmingly beautiful that uh, I, I, I can't find the words of, of gratitude to express. Well, you know, it's interesting that, uh, and, and, and it pleases me a lot to see something like this happen. I know, um, you know, when I was raising money for my trial, there wasn't any crowdfunding and any of that, and all we could think to do was to put events on. And so we we hosted four Freedom Fighters fundraisers and two or three Know Your Rights events and just all these different events that we put together. And it was so much work and so much, you know, just uh, there, there was there was a lot of brotherly love. We didn't make a whole lot of money, but at the end of the day, that was the only way we knew how to do it. You know, the crowdfunding came along a little bit later. And... Uh, the crowdfunding sort of has come and gone in a lot of ways. Every once in a while, one of these cases, you know, gets some steam. But for the most part, uh, you know, everybody's inundated with help me, help me, help me. And it's it's gotten difficult. But I've always said, you know, if we can have an event, if we can do something, people are willing to give money in exchange for something, knowing that it's going to a good cause, much easier than they are just to give money. And uh, I just think that this is the way, and, and there's an energy behind a project like this that transcends, you know, passing the plate. Uh, to think that all of these bands and all of these musicians um, put their energy into creating a song or took a song that they had already created and thought it right for this project and donated it. There's just a whole lot of... Uh, a whole lot of giving and a whole lot of uh, love going into a project like this. So 
Rick Simpson brought in a testimonial. Leap no. brought in testimonials. Uh, different patients brought in testimonials. And there were activists online that were, you know, musical that I had no idea with such great musical talent. Michael Mock from Kansas. Jindrick Bear. You guys, Jindrick Bear sent in his music to come on the compilation album. And it's just it I was I was so wowed. It's just so it's amazing. It's I just thank everyone for who participated. It is actually very well, I, beautiful. I just, I'm, yeah, I'm really tickled. So how do we get this uh how how do we find this album? Um you know, this is one of the things that um, we're good at, and you know, the Human Solution is a it's a grassroots effort. It's a it's a network. It's people who know people. It's people who have a common goal, a common uh, thread, um, a, a, a lust for freedom and liberty, uh, a, a disdain for prohibition, and all of its uh, uh, its problems. And so, this is one of those things that hopefully. You know, we'll be able to start sharing it. I would love to get a couple of tracks um, from this if you can send them to me as like an MP3 or something, and I can cut and put them in as uh, as bumper music here. We can listen to a track in in between uh, guests or whatnot. So, uh, but for, frankly, how do we get this? Uh, how do we get this album? How does one get this? And can is, are there links up there, or uh, how do we find it? Well, the actual website is shaunastock2017.bandcamp.com, and you can find it that way. And then also it is on, uh, there's a Shauna Stock compilation album page on Facebook. It can be found there. It can be found on uh, my public page, my private page. And I've tried to get it to other places, but I definitely need help spreading it around. So if I can get some help with people, you know, listen to a couple of songs, and if you're just as excited about it as we are, please help spread this information. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, have there been any developments? I know uh, Stephen Downing from Leap reached out to me to get a copy of last week's show, um, and he had concerns about uh, your representation. Um and I I haven't reached back to him, um, and I I am hesitant to voice an opinion about representation that I've never met with or or haven't spoken with. But uh, what would be your message for Steve as far as you know, uh, just just concerned or hoping that uh, you're adequately represented? How do you feel about your situation right now? Well, I think many of us in the movement um, have been jaded for many different reasons when it comes to attorneys. And so, um, you know, I'm starting to get more of a closer relationship with a lot of different people, and they truly care. And so, you know, the concern is real, and people really want me to be uh, be taken care of while I'm going through this. Um, people who know what I've been through, uh, have read the book, know any part of my history, know that I have a very real chance of winning this. And um, setting precedence in Kansas with a biological necessity will indeed have worldwide ripple effects. There's no question. And that's, you know, 
for for people who maybe have never tuned into this show or maybe don't understand what court support's about or what all of this is about, I want to be really clear. Um, whenever we stand up for a defendant in a cannabis case, we're standing up for obviously we care about that defendant and and the outcome of the of the trial or the case. Uh, we obviously don't want to see any harm come to somebody uh, as a result of, of this plant on any note or any level at all. But we realize, those of us that are really have our heart in the game and, and that are, you know, have, have spent years and years and years advocating or supporting or, or being that defendant, um, it's never about the individual in the case. It's never about that. What it is is this is we're pioneers. We're literally we're weaving the fabric of history today. And every day goes by, we're putting another couple of threads in there. And those threads are going to tell that story of how we ended prohibition. And it doesn't happen with one big law passing. As anybody who lives in a legal state knows, that it never works. It never works right off the bat. It takes events. It takes case law. It takes case after case after case to clarify and to establish a policy, to establish uh, the tone of the nation, of the state, of the city, wherever you are. And this is what well, and it's happens. Next level to personal responsibility. When you're choosing to use cannabis as a medicine or even a, if recreational, you are choosing that personal responsibility. And that next step of personal responsibility is knowing how to defend yourself and demanding, um, you know, demanding a fair trial demanding that fair trial and uh, the way that they're winning against all of us is so many people are pleading out and they're making money off of our backs right and left right and left and we're not fighting for our personal responsibility our our personal responsibility to take care of our own lives and so we've got to fight that they're spending in my little tiny county they've spent five hundred thousand dollars against me when they fought against a million dollar high school for 20 years so this is this is ridiculous they're making so much money off of the people and the people are not fighting back if you're going to take the personal responsibility to consume this plant take that personal responsibility to defend yourself please well absolutely Sorry, I didn't mean that no 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 that's good and 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 so there's there's two points to this one is we're we're here to hopefully raise up more people to take that stand. You know, when when I was going through my trial, I was looking for anybody that had a case that I could say, "Come on, stand up with me." You know, and and Shauna does the same. And 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 everybody who who's sitting in that hot seat today, um hopefully is is looking around saying, "You know, maybe you could do it too. You could do it too." There's never a shortage of cases. Uh and you know, they may not all make the news, but there's never a shortage of cases. And, and so one side of it is, is literally, and we, we talk about this many, many times, but less than 5% of all cases that are, that are brought charges ever go to trial, okay? And either the cases are dropped or they're pled out. And I'm not saying that there's not an appropriate time to make a plea deal. That's another conversation. But just imagine, again, imagine if 10% or 20% of the cannabis cases 
said, you know what, this is worth fighting for. This is worth tying up the courts. This is worth taking the court's time. This is worth calling upon a jury of my peers to decide the fate rather than being pressured into a deal that I don't agree with or, you know, just rolling over. And imagine, the court systems are already jammed up. They're already backed up months out. Imagine if there was a doubling of all the cannabis cases out there because people said, you know what, this is worth fighting for. It would crush the court systems, and the prosecutors would have to reevaluate, okay? This is the simplest thing. People come up with, oh, all we got to do is this or all we got to do is that, and they pass a petition around. Well, okay, great. I have yet to see those work. I have yet to see the, 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 the answer. The answer is, this is one of many paths that could do this, but if we were to have double the amount of people that would take it from 5 to 10%, which is still a huge, small, a very, very small percentage of all the people that are charged and arrested, but if 10% of them did, the court systems would be crushed and the prosecutors would have to reevaluate their caseload and they would have to determine what am I going to spend my time on. And already it's starting to turn. In California, we're, we're seeing all kinds of you know, infraction deals coming out of multiple felony cases um, and, and, you know, literally dropping it at the very end rather than pressing the trial. Uh, we have numerous cases like that, and, and it's only because of the courage of the people that stood up that caused those things to happen. So now we got that chance for momentum. The other side of it is is when the people come out and show support, okay, it's, it's the difference between the away game or the home field advantage, and it's a huge difference in any um, event, in any in any aspect of of history. Uh, a defending army uh, on on the home turf is going to fight way harder than the than the army that's out there on the other side because they're fighting for their life, and that's literally the deal. When everybody shows up and they stand together and they've got something that binds them together, and the court knows that these people are here for this case, for this defendant, for this set of rights, it's almost unstoppable when we do it right, when we do it right. And and that's what, what I advocate here. So, Shauna, um, is there anything that uh, I know as we're going to get closer, we're going to hear a lot more from you and we're going to hear more about the details of the case and, and, and what people can specifically do um, you know, we know that we need legal defense funds. We have this um, this album that's out there. Uh, what about? Is there any other type of um, expert testimony or or anything that we're missing right now at this stage of the game? Oh, Stacy, can this is where Stacy's going to come in because she's probably thinking of all kinds of stuff I'm forgetting. Well, I want to get the court. I want to get the court date straight. So on April 7th, we're going to have our schedule of motion. So, of course, we're going to first ask to dismiss the case, I'm sure. That's a good one. Like that. I mean, <laughs> My favorite. like I said, we spent over $500,000. It's kind of, I mean, to do what What have we accomplished? And um, then we have um, Dr. Bob Mellon. That's what you've accomplished and not much We've else. accomplished nothing. <laughs> That, well, that's yep. not what we've spent. That's what Dave spent. We that well, they spent that's your money though. That's what the spent. Yeah, right. yeah. And then um, um, we have Dr. Bob Melamede and um, Dr. Um, I'm sorry, Dennis. Oh, what is it? I'm sorry, I should have had this right in front of me. Oh. No, no. And then there is Dr. David Allen. Right. Yes. 
and they all gave they, uh, um, Dr. Bob Melamed has a piece on the um, album also that's just gorgeous um, oh, he explains the endocannabinoid system and makes it real to you I mean it's just real and right in front of you it's it's just beautiful. So um, his test, so um, Shauna has over 5,000 pages of um, medical records just from two hospitals. And she's had Crohn's since 2002. And she's had like several, uh, so many surgeries. I'm, there's been, she goes into PTSD when we start going through the medical records. And it's just kind of hard to, hard to like keep her with it. And then I'll be asking her, hey, what about this surgery? And she won't even remember having it. They that's removed how many. my esophagus. I had no idea. I'm like, okay. hey, what was this one? And she's, and she's like, uh, that's they took part of my esophagus out. I'm like, wow. I didn't even remember that. Um, it's the doctors have done a great job so far. We're waiting. Doctor Petro, that's who we're waiting on. We have his um, expert testimony. We're waiting on um, Doctor Bob Melamed and um, Doctor Allen did a beautiful job. Um, I'm don't think that the state, the state is bringing someone from Texas, a specialist from Texas. We don't really know who that is. I'm figuring it'll be a THC specialist. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they, I don't know what kind of stuff, I don't know what they're going to bring against us, but they only have one and I, we, I can't figure out who that is yet. Um, but, and then after that, she will finally be a ra- Oh, and that'll be live testimony. So some of that will be on, video, and then some of it will be um, in the courtroom. And then she'll finally have her arraignment. So that'll be over two years in, she'll finally have her arraignment. And then when we get to June, she will have um, her trial from the 26th to the 28th, and we're going to need everyone there. Okay, you guys, up on the uh, I've got Craig Cecil calling in right now. That's it. So let's Thank um, you. go ahead and do, do a final final shot here and um i'm going to be bringing craig um i'll give you guys actually a couple of minutes right after craig's done uh, i'm going to bring him up right now craig cecil how are you doing today hello joe believe it or not we're having marijuana related problems at the prison holy cow <laughs> how, how, how does that happen well that's the reason that you and I didn't get to enjoy our conversation last week. Yeah, I was wondering. I figured it must have been some sort of a violent outburst of some sort. Well, it was a small one, but uh, about 45 minutes before I was to call you. But uh, any of it, what's going around is not marijuana here. It's what they call K2, I guess. Uh, oh, that's just bad news. Yeah, they call it spice or bath salt. And uh, what do they call it? They call it spice or bath bath salts. Right or Tony, they call it now or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, yeah, it's always changing its name, but it's it's bad stuff. It 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 causes uh, it causes psychotic uh, events and causes people to die. Well, it's definitely causing psychotic events. About forty five minutes before I was going to call you. Uh, it seems to be rampant throughout the institution, but one in, inmate succumbed to it and uh, went to attack several officers, so they, they locked down the whole institution. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was one of three events uh, 
three K two related events in the last week. Well, you know what what really sucks about that is that they call it um a, a marijuana substitute or a, a a synthetic marijuana or they call it a you know well it's not legal anymore but it was it was legal at one point. Um and the the point is it has nothing to do with marijuana. It's not any way in any way, shape or form similar to the cannabis plant. The only thing that's similar about it is they smoke it. But other than that, it's 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 a synthetic drug. It's a it's a powder that they put onto some plant material and it's very, very toxic and it's very unpredictable and stable and it actually comes in many, many different formulas. And that's how, you know, a lot of that stuff comes over from China and uh, uh, the Eastern Bloc, and they make these compounds that are not necessarily illegal. And then when the DEA catches up to them, they change one or two molecules, make it a little different, and they put it back out there. And it's really, really lethal stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy that they attach the name cannabis to it, though. That's what pisses me off. That's the part that's getting me, because... Like I say, it's rampant here, and I think the most attractive feature is it's small, and uh, it doesn't show up on drug tests. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's very, very potent, so... Let's call it some federal equivalent. You don't need a whole bunch of it. I mean, you know, think about if you're going to try to import something into a very difficult place to import, uh, the more potent something is, the, the more profitable it would be, right? Oh, yeah. And this it kind of reminds me, or at least my outside uh, view of it, almost reminds me of like a heroin. These people, they smoke it, they fall unconscious on the floor, they vomit. I mean, there's a, you know, a list of things they go through whenever they take it. And, and I've heard of that about heroin. And right. For both of them, I, I kind of asked the question, if you do that once, why would you vomit? <laughs> why on earth would you want to do that again? I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, think about everybody that, that tried tobacco that first time and they got sick, and now they're hooked. You know, if somehow we have this strange um, um, propensity to go back for more when something's a little bit on the unpleasant side. But uh, this stuff is, uh, you know, the thing that's screwed up about it, too, is it's cheap. It's not, it's not anything that is um, hard to get. I mean, you can get it at... I think they sell it at um, uh, smoke shops and things. Although I think that's it's been made illegal in a lot of places now, but it's you know it's it's a lot. It's not difficult to get. That's for sure. But like I, like uh, you acknowledge, people call it a form of marijuana. <laughs> right. You know, marijuana doesn't do that to people. <laughs> no, my God, it's the opposite of what marijuana does to people. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, the 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 whole notion of prohibition. Like today, um, the the main topic of the show is about wrongful termination, and uh, we're gonna we have a, a couple that is coming on in a little bit, and the guy got fired supposedly over a over a pot test, and he's in California, you know, where we've had a a, a medical law for 20 years. We just passed a recreational law. And the kicker is this guy doesn't even smoke pot, and we're going to hear all about that. But go figure that out, you know. I mean, we got Shauna Banda. She's on, on with us right now. She's uh, uh, 
uh, Crohn's patient. She has all kinds of of uh, physical uh, problems, and she was treating herself to heal herself. That's all she was doing was was taking care of herself. And as a result of a of a dare experience gone horribly wrong, she's facing multiple felony counts in Kansas. And you know we've got. Uh, James Benno's case, we're going to talk about that. He was acquitted on most of his uh, charges, but they hung up on a couple of charges in California, of all places. I mean, and then and then there was a giant raid in Colorado just last week, a couple of a few days ago. And uh, the one of the people in the raid was the owner of a legal dispensary in Colorado. Wow, and you probably heard about Mark Emery and yeah, we actually have our uh, our Canadian chapter is going to be calling in today, and we're going to get an update um, directly from our friendly Manitoba folks. Oh, please, please send that on to me. I'm I'm hoping for the best for him. No, he gift to all of us marijuana uh, lifers. Right. Christmas. He's done it the last two Christmas. Wow. <laughs> so he is for sure the marijuana. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, he went through federal time, and then they then they extradited him, and and you know, as soon as he got out, he jumped back into it because he believes, as so many of us do, uh, you know, there was no crime committed. It, it, it's it's a, a very unfortunate state in our in our historical perspective, and. If what you're doing you believe in and it's in your heart and it's in your it's in the fiber of your being, being locked up for a little while is not gonna cause you to stop. I I, I for one can attest to that. <laughs> well the other point is it's like the argument you hear all the time, uh, uh for um, abortion arguments is that, you know, of course women are gonna continue to have abortions whether they're legal or not. And uh if they're not legal they're going to be going the back alley, you know, procedures, and it's going to be much more dangerous. Of course. Well, look at the K2 in here. You know, as compared to marijuana, what if these people were smoking marijuana? They probably wouldn't be assaulting the, uh, <laughs> the officers. <laughs> yeah, I, I still have yet to hear of the case where the guy smoked a joint and then decided to go on a rage and just beat people up, you know? It's just, I, I have yet to hear that story. I think the only person that somebody just smoked marijuana, or the only danger uh, maybe surrounding somebody just smoked marijuana is if... This call is from a federal prison. I mean, a bag of Doritos might be in picture. Well, that's just it, yeah. I mean, if if if, if you just smoked a fatty and your buddy's sitting there with the pizza, uh, some of those slices might not be real safe. But other than that, I mean, you know, it's just, it, it does not have a history of violence. And... And yet, you think about you know all the the amphetamines and the cocaine and the I don't know heroin. I don't think people get violent on heroin. They just you know sort of melt away. But they get violent when they don't have it. So that's a whole other story. But uh, the K2, it's a it's a it's a terrible substance. There's not any redeeming value to it. Uh, most of the other drugs you could lay some sort of redeeming value to, um, even if they have a negative. Uh, issue. There's some reason that that would cause them to to have some use. But this K2, I don't know what the hell it is. 
I have I haven't ever seen any therapeutic value to it. It's it's just a cheap um chemical way that people can alter their consciousness, but it doesn't tend to alter it in a good way. Yeah, they call it 2G here, and, uh, or at least the strain that seems to be going around. But uh, I've never seen anybody go through those kind of things, you know, uh, following, you know, using marijuana. And I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Why do they even identify it as marijuana? It's, well, I think point I, out it might be closer to PCP. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's it's definitely in the line of 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 an angel dust or 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 some other synthetic. Um, and you know what I think? I think the reason why they call it synthetic marijuana is because it causes people to want it. I don't think it has anything to do other than marketing. I think the guys that make it know that people love their marijuana, and if there's some cheap supposedly legal alternative that it'll cause people to want it and try it out. That's my that's my only guess. It's the drug of choice in a lot of homeless camps because it's cheap and it's powerful and you know, that's it's in LA there was a number of uh cases in the last several months of uh of deaths and and you know, really bad episodes uh because of so-called so a bad batch of spice. And it's just like, well, it's all bad. There isn't any good batches, I don't think. Well, like I say, it's definitely having a an effect in here. It affects this week, and uh, but, I mean, it, from what I understand, it, it's a problem throughout the federal bureau of prisons, and you know, most likely, you know, in the state prisons as well. And from what I've seen, it is dangerous. It makes these people dangerous to us and the staffers. You know. Well, you know, and and so many people don't realize the delicate balance that is in prison, you know, and anything can set it off and make it even more of a dangerous place than it already is. You know, when everything's running smooth, you you at least have some sense of of what to expect. You know, the asshole guard's always going to be an asshole, and the cool one might be cool today, maybe not, but you know, at least you have some sense of 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 what to expect, but you throw something like this into the mix and it just stirs the pot and there's not anything good to expect at that point. That's true. That's true. Within a hundred feet of over a hundred guys, all of them with felony convictions, most of them with multiple felony convictions. And I, you know, I don't feel threatened by any one of them, but if one of them just smoked that stuff, I'd sure be staying away from it. Exactly. Well, and, and like I said, it, it causes the guards to be on edge, and, you know, that's the last thing you need is for, you know, uh, an already toxic situation to to be more volatile. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and a lot of the, unfortunately, a lot of the officers, they like physical confrontations. I mean, they, they live for it. Well. So any excuse they can come up with to, to tackle an injury or, you know, worse you know, they're, they're going to take advantage of that. When there's a bunch of incidences of it, like there was three this week, uh, you know, altercations between an officer and an inmate that was strung out on that stuff, you know. Now they're going to be more apt to be ready to jump on the rest of us, and I'm not too happy about that. Well, and that's, that's part of the problem is, you know, as we've talked about numerous times, these, these uh, correctional officers, these guards, uh, there's a special breed of 
people that gravitates towards that kind of work. And they typically are not your uh, uh, socially adept. They're, they're typically not your benevolent types. And they typically are the, you know, the, the schoolhouse bully or the one who, the kid who was, you know, picking the wings off the butterflies or whatever, you know, the, the puppy stompers. These are not the, not the shining stars of, of, of humanity. And when you give them an environment or, or a series of events that gives them latitude to go act like this, man, I feel, I, I feel pity even more for anybody who's in their wake. Well, that was your first beep there, Craig. I, this time goes by so fast when we're when we get a few minutes. Well, I'm hoping that as you uh, you know work to educate people, sports, and in the you know, in the, especially the public about us lifers here, you can also educate them now about uh, the K2 that it, it's it's not marijuana, and uh, really, if marijuana was more available and which would drive down the costs and all that, maybe it would help eliminate some of these uh, terrible drugs. You know, maybe the person that uses that K2 would instead use real marijuana if it was more available to them. I couldn't agree more. I, I, somebody needs to come up with a meme or some sort of a of a graphic for that. I, I'm going to put that out there. So, all right, Craig. Well, that was the second beep. Usually we get cut off right after that. Oh, there he goes. God damn it. All right, folks. For anybody who is not aware of uh, who we were just talking to. That was Craig Cecil. Craig Cecil was calling from federal prison, um, where he's serving a life sentence without possibility of parole for pot. And he didn't even have anything to do with the pot. He was a guy who fixed up trucks, uh, repaired the the damage to the trucks that were being uh, used to smuggle pot. And uh, he was the low man on the totem pole, and everybody rolled, and he ended up uh, getting a life sentence where everybody else that was involved in this case is already walking free. So um, if you want to learn more, uh, there's look up Google Craig Cecil, and uh, there's uh, I, I know there's a lot of information about him out there. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, one last crack for Shauna and Stacy to give a farting shot. And here we go. You guys are back live on the air. Um, so let's... Uh, for one last time, let everybody know how they can reach you if they want to offer help, how they can access this album, and uh, anything else you want to uh, shout out. Well, for one, there is the book, Live Free or Die, that you can get straight from the publisher, uh, authorhouse.com. And um, there is a painting that Lindsay McGantz has painted and beautiful portrait and that is for sale through her Lindsay's heart work and you can just send her a message and she'll respond to you right away it'll be either on canvas or wood and then um, if you would just like to donate uh, cash you can go to paypal.me forward slash Shauna Banda and then of course this compilation album is uh, is amazing and the easiest way to find that would probably be to go to my public page um, or the Shauna Stock compilation album page on Facebook and I hope everyone enjoys that and um, uh, I'll just let that with you it, so you can give uh, these other wonderful people some well-deserved time. Thank you for having us on, Joe. 
Beautiful. And uh, remember, if you can get a hold of Lindsay, um, still love to have her come on the show and uh, join the join the the soiree here. Yeah, she wasn't able to tonight. We did try. Okay. Well, keep on trying, and I uh, love Lindsay, and uh, she does such great work, and uh, be great to great to get her on here just for a couple of minutes, even. I'll send All right. Her your um, love. Thank so, you. well, thank you guys very much, and uh, uh, we have Mike Mailman up next from Manitoba. He's a member of our friendly Manitoba chapter, and um, he's got some updates about the goings on in Canada right now, and um, hopefully we're going to have Janice and Devin um, come on as they're our chapter coordinators up there, and they're going to give us a little bit more insight. Um, After that, we're going to bring on our guests, um, Pete and uh, Debbie, who have gone through this ordeal having been fired for pot when pot wasn't even being used. And we hopefully have a couple of attorneys going to be checking in today um, with their thoughts on the subject and about what we can do about wrongful termination. Uh, remember, the human solution is uh, got a legal clinic, and it's a, it's a free resource uh, that's available on our website, thsintl.org. And it's in the building stages right now, but one of the things that uh, this resource is all about is uh, providing self-help for people who get stuck in a spot like this. Um, You know, I get phone calls all the time, I need a lawyer, I need a lawyer, I need a lawyer. And I, you know, wish I had a bunch of lawyers that were willing to work for free, but we don't. Um, We have some attorneys that say they will, but mostly they won't. Uh, We have attorneys that say they'll do, but mostly they don't. Um, Once in a while we do and get get one or two that that steps up and participates for a while. Um, And we're trying to make that happen more. We're trying to encourage more attorneys to participate. We're working on uh, uh, some grant writing. We're working on some fundraising. We're working on some ways uh, to sweeten the pot, to entice uh, some skilled legal representation to come on in, get some pro bono work in, and get something in exchange. And that's partly what we're trying to manifest. And there's just so many ways your rights can be violated. Imagine working for a job for 10 years and have the rug pulled out from under you, and the, the reason they give you is pot, and you weren't intoxicated on the job or and did anything that compromised your ability to work, but they hit you anyways. Uh, certainly there's got to be things that can be done about it, and that's what we're here to find out. So before we move uh, to Canada, I want to let everybody know that this show is brought to you by the Coffee Party Radio Network, and uh, we're very grateful for our spot here on the on the Blog Talk Radio. And if you go to this site and go to this uh, page, virtually every day of the week there's some programming by the Coffee Party, and there's some fabulous programming, some great guests, some great hosts, and uh, we're just really proud to be working together with the Coffee Party, and we're very grateful for it. All right, so we got Mike Mailman from Manitoba, and uh, he's going to give us an update about what's going on up there in Canada. Mike, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you aboard. Uh, You've been uh, participating here with the Human Solution now for a couple of years, and uh, um, good to hear from you. Thanks for having me, Joe. 
Oh, sure absolutely. is a crazy place up here in uh, Canada. I'm telling you, I thought uh, Canada all around was the world. Nothing happened but the cold, and now all of a sudden it's gone crazy. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, you know, it seemed like uh, it seemed like we were going to see some good things. We had uh, our prime minister speaking from the throne, talking about legalization, and we had some entrepreneurs that were going to hold him to his promise. Uh, unfortunately, things have begin to fall apart. I don't understand why it is that our government um, continues to persecute people for selling cannabis, uh, let alone even simple possession is is still um, being prosecuted here in Canada until I look at the money. And that's, uh, that's what it comes down to. It seems like we're cornering a market and that's that's the only reason we are holding on to prohibition up here in Canada. Uh, they seem to be making it very clear. Raiding uh, dispensaries, uh, especially targeting cannabis culture dispensaries across Canada. Spending millions of dollars. And ultimately dropping that. most of the charges. I was talking to Janice earlier today or yesterday, and she says they're literally systematically shutting all these dispensaries down. Um, as being down here in the states, we don't get a lot of feedback about what's going on up there. But how 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 many dispensaries? Uh, I mean, Canada is a huge place, um, but it's not a very populous place per you know per acre. So um, how like in, in California? I mean, there's you can go down a street and there can be ten dispensaries in a mile, um, and then you can go you know a whole city and there might be only two in a whole city. Um, it, it's very much determined by the willingness of the city or the county to allow these kind of things to take place, uh, even when the law doesn't necessarily allow it. How How is it set up in Canada, or how was it before they started taking them out? Well, in Canada, um, you know, we only have a couple of central locations that, that uh, house large numbers of of dispensaries. So in Vancouver, uh, we see a large number of dispensaries. There's over 100 uh, dispensaries just in the city of Vancouver alone. And wow. in the city of Toronto, um, yeah, yeah. And we, we also see, uh, you know, there's, there were dozens of, of uh, dispensaries open in Toronto. Um, not quite 100, I don't think. Um, but they they created something called Project Claudia, uh, two years ago now, I guess it would be, and and they spent a few million dollars and raided a few dispensaries all in one day. Um, they continued on with those raids over the following couple of weeks, and um, they had over one over a hundred uh, dispensary workers that were charged, and the charges really? have all been dropped ever since. Oh, okay. Ever since this. Uh, happen. So um, the reasoning for them spending this amount of money doesn't seem to add up to anything other than, than uh, control. control. Well, how much assets did they seize? I mean, they, they probably seized some cash and some, some assets in the, in the process that might even be more than they yes. spent. Well, and you know, that could be a good point too there, Joe. Um, I know here so, here in America well, that's some... a big motivating factor. They they a lot of times do the same thing. They'll come in, they'll 
they'll uh, smash and grab. They'll take everything they see. Um, they'll either charge everybody and drop the charges later, or they won't even bother charging them. But they've got years to file charges. So all these people that get arrested initially uh, have to live in fear for three years or five years on a federal case um, to see, you know, if the hammer's going to fall. And it's devastating. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the civil forfeiture uh, uh, trouble that goes along with this is is uh, def- definitely a heavy hand. Um, we have seven provinces and, and territories up here in Canada that uh, that started a pilot project um, which sees civil forfeiture laws much like you have across the United States uh, where you, you don't even need to be charged with a crime to be... Uh, to have your uh, your property taken from you. Um, I, my own brother actually had his his jeep taken from him um, due to a, a traffic stop where my medicine was taken, and I hadn't even had a chance to plead guilty or or, or not guilty on the stand yet. And, and his jeep had been um, sold at auction. Wow! Um, but only in certain. Only in certain uh, provinces can they do this, so um, they call it a pilot project. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, it sounds I'm like it's taken I, off, if you ask me. Going, yeah. um, what about Manitoba? I know Manitoba is kind of the, the Midwest of, uh, or, or the, the, the middle part Manitoba. of the nation, kind of the, the breadbasket up there. Yeah, you know, Manitoba, we really are the in the conservative Bible Belt of Canada, uh, luckily, we don't have this this uh, civil forfeiture law, the draconian take your things away without even needing to charge you. Um, but it is it is still a very difficult place. Um, I had the chief crown prosecutor of Manitoba, Michael Foote, tell me to my face uh, that they take things, they take cannabis. Uh, a little more seriously here in Manitoba than they do in other places in Canada. So, you know, it's kind of a difficult thing to understand given that it is a, you know, a, meta, a federal law that they're discussing and and he's really um, ensuring that they're taking it differently in different jurisdictions, which uh, seems contrary to the idea of, of a federal law. Right, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's it's the same here in the States. We've got one federal law that says no, and yet you look all across the nation and we've got, you know, more than half of the states have, have some uh, legislation that allows either medical or recreational use, including our nation's capital. <laughs> and, and the feds pick and choose where they go after. They, they selectively prosecute as they see fit. And there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. Yeah, well, you know, and it comes back down to the money, just just like you said, uh, the civil forfeitures. Um, I do have some numbers in front of me here from the Cannabis Culture Raid. Uh, they dubbed it Project Gator. They They raided five stores, and they took 62 kilograms, of cannabis and two hundred and fifty dollars two hundred fifty thousand dollars in cash wow based based on what they seized 
they made claims that cannabis culture was linked with organized crime. Well, of course. Because you couldn't now, possibly have pot without being a criminal, right? <laughs> that's and right. And, stores, and even they that actually, money isn't a huge amount, I mean, by any stretch. Well, no, and, and if you look at uh if you look at any other any other business it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense um that they would have much of any less stock or or right. cash on hand when you consider five stores. So actually uh their their defense attorney, Kirk Tusa, made a statement saying, So what, about fifty thousand dollars per store and twenty five pounds right. per store? Let's right. assume each store had 25 strains on the menu. That's a pound each, right. and enough yeah, to right. restock once. Now, exactly. you put that in perspective. These these officers knew that that, that was the bare minimum they were going to have when they went into that store. They were probably exactly. hoping for a lot more. They were probably thinking there was going to be millions and thousands of kilos. And you know, and that's that's the issue. I ran a dispensary for almost well for over two years. And, you know, when they came in and hit me, they did the same thing. Oh, there's all this money and all this pot. And it's like, do you realize if you look at the turnover in a day, you have however many patients or, or, or members that come through, they're all getting some some amount. You have to have a variety of things on the menu. Otherwise, people will not, you know, come to you. And each of those things you got to have a, an amount of. And... You can't have a small enough or too small of an amount because if you run out, it's you know it's like running out of anything in a restaurant or a grocery store. It's you know it's, it's you, you lose people that way so fast. And then the next morning you have to restock, so you have to have cash on hand. You know the the, the growers don't take Mastercard, and you know the banks. I don't know do the banks uh, uh, cannabis accounts in Canada because in. In the states here, they still don't. No, no, uh, they definitely don't. And again, that's different by uh, jurisdiction. It seems uh, here in Manitoba, there are some banks that are willing to, to take on uh, cannabis accounts. To what I understand, however, in in other uh, places, per se, in in uh, Toronto and in Vancouver. Uh, cannabis culture was not able to find bank accounts for their businesses, so they were actually dealing in in 100% cash business. Right, and the mind you, they were still weird. remitting taxes. Right. Well, yeah, exactly, and that's the whole thing. The, the, so were we, the, but the rule is typically it's a still a cash business, and and in order to uh, resupply. You have to have cash on hand, and it's just, you know, it's like a fish market. You don't ever know what you're going to have available from day to day. You have to be able to take advantage of a, of a good deal that comes along, and and it requires, you know, cash on hand. There's no other way to do this kind of business as it sits today. And so so what's the status of Mark and, and Jody? Um, I understand that they they were uh, arrested and then released, but they got hit with a really high bail. I don't know if my information's correct. Yeah, their bail was the bail was uh, you know it was expected to be high, I suppose, um, but I think they were about thirty thousand dollars each to uh, to be released. Um, the the conditions that came along with it were the real kicker. They have they had to uh, 
disassociate themselves with their cannabis culture brand 100%. So they can't, they can have no longer anything to do with the businesses that they've built, um, which is pretty devastating in itself. Uh, wow. Not to mention, not not just financially, but I mean, you know, imagine imagine having everything that you've ever built stripped from you. That's uh, I've had it happen once. You know, that's I a lot more than just your clothes. I certainly didn't have. Yeah. Well, I had street shops, but but nonetheless, it's it's you know devastating what? and. Mark has put, you know. I apologize for bringing up those those negative memories. I, I wasn't looking to bring that up, and I apologize no, for that. No, I guess no. I was it's looking more of, to uh, have the listeners understand. No, it's important. Yeah. It's important, and it's it's why we're here today. You know, I, you, you, Mark has made it, this his life's work. You know, we had Craig Cecil uh, calling from federal prison just a minute ago, talking about Mark and and his generosity to the to the lifers here in the states. And, you know, I've I've heard so many uh, stories. I've not met Mark personally, but I've heard so many stories of, of his generosity in, in, in the community and the things he's done. And, you know, so many times people uh, that would otherwise be considered fine, upstanding, uh, uh, benevolent, even philanthropists to some degree, um, but you, you, you attach cannabis to it and all of a sudden they're criminals and it's it's... It's just you know that's the devastating part about it, um, and and of course anything's subject to change, and that's that's kind of the deal. But here's here's my concern: when all this stuff happens, it tends to strike fear into all the people that you know didn't get hit, and rather than those people you know standing and rallying around, circling the wagons and standing up, more often than not they tend to you know, look the other way and, and, you know, just be glad they didn't get hit and kind of, kind of quietly go about their business. Is that what's going on out there? Is the community getting really upset or are they afraid or what's, what's happening? What's the state of the, of the community? Well, you know, that same old adage is, is, uh, sadly all too common where people do, you know, they get afraid and, and, uh, um, I, I think we do have, a pretty strong community here thankfully uh people are are working together um and i think a lot of the uh i think a lot of the dispensaries here have retained the same council to begin with and i think that that's a, a big help as well because uh you know having having at least communication between the council uh for all these different dispensaries is uh you know, going to be a key thing in, in keeping them all working together, or at least all working on the same level. So well, that yeah, it's not it's necessarily. Uh, with with, uh, with legal counsel, a lot of times, uh, you know, when you got a hundred cases spread across a dozen counties, and you have a dozen different attorneys with a dozen different plans, and some of them work, and some of them don't. Uh, is, there's no connection. It's not like law enforcement when they find something that works, they pass on through a memo. There isn't a memo on our side. So when you do have uh, a team of attorneys or a single attorney that's handling multiple cases, they're able to adapt and use uh, the tools that they discover and create in case after case after case. And and I, I watch successful attorneys here in California do that, where they find a winning 
strategy and they're able to apply it across, you know, their whole caseload. And um, but yet the attorney down the road doesn't doesn't pick up on that, and you know his his clients don't have those same benefits. So that's definitely a good thing. Any unity that we can pull together is certainly a benefit. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the biggest keys is at least having the uh, you know the the integrity maintained throughout all of the different um, defense councils, and, and not only that, but having defense counsel to begin with. Um, I know there was a little bit of question. Uh, there was, I think, one dispensary for sure in Toronto, and maybe more than one that that. Uh, left their their employees on the hook with the charges um oh, so rather than yeah rather than rather than doing the right thing and having the legal fees paid you know up up front if you're if you're looking to start a a serious business or at least you know having intention of covering those legal fees for your employees um it appears that there was at least one or more dispensaries that uh just told the told their uh, employees, sorry, that's on you. Wow, I am sorry to and hear that. So, yeah, absolutely. There was, there is one fellow that's uh, um, facing charges on his own, and uh, I know um, Jeffrey Lundstrom, the the uh, orchestrator of the uh, Prairie Harvest Cup in Saskatoon. He's He's uh, anteing up, and he's actually just out of his own pocket. He's he's making a, a large lump sum to help start the defense fund for uh, for this poor gentleman that's left with uh, with charges, and, and is is the owner of the dispensary is is just leaving him high and dry. So, well, you know, these uh, are most, the kind of stories of the that I I think are important for everybody to know. Um, you know, and and I think it's real important that, um, you know, anybody that you're connected to out there knows that, you know, our organization, The Human Solution, we're an international organization, and we, we count on, you know, the outposts out there in Canada, and we have members kind of across Canada, not a huge number of them, but, but you know, their strength comes from all of us all around the world. We have members in, in about a dozen different countries, and it's, you know, it's 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 that solidarity that I think is important, and um, you know, we have ability to do some fundraising as a 501c3, um, and if you guys want to put together um, some sort of a of a profile for what this what this legal defense is about, um, you know, I can structure a, a fundraiser page up on our site as we've done for many defendants here in the states and. You know, sometimes they're more effective than others, but bottom line is, is if you know, if we do, if we do it, it has a chance to work. Yeah, that's certainly a you know a great thing. Um, the people that well, I myself was in, in for quite some time was in a situation where I had no idea how I could ever afford um, legal services and and going through uh, those court. Um, going through every single different court uh, appearance and, and being there by myself, let alone with, without uh, uh, anybody beside me or behind me. Um, so I can understand that people have to do this on a daily basis. There's somebody somewhere in the in North America that's doing this, and 
I think that ultimately working towards a a defense fund for uh you know for the general population would be the would be beautiful um unfortunately impossible so uh, I definitely well, appreciate yeah, what you're doing out there Joe. There's going to be more need than there is resources but you know what what my hope is that if we can if we can get uh, some some grant money or something to really be able to uh, get the message out about this thing and reach out to a couple of people that have some deep pockets. There is a cannabis industry now that's growing across the world, and there's some people making a whole bunch of money, and some of those people recognize that uh, they're making it on the backs of many of us that have had to be locked up. And, you know, it only takes a couple of people to say, hey, you know what, I I recognize my place in this, and and I want to do something to make sure that uh, not only ensures my place, but helps those that are, you know, a little less fortunate. And I, I think if we were to, you know, craft a campaign um, and, and get it funded just a little bit to, to, you know, put some talent to it, I'll bet you we could make something world class. I know there's a number of legal defense funds out there. There's uh, um, Ed Rosenthal's, and I think Dr. Melamede has one. And, you know, there's a few of these things, but you just don't see – anybody put an effort at getting it out there and in a way that is, you know, truly, you know, make it, make it be something that, that really works. And, uh, I just know that that's something that we, we have that possibility to do. So I look forward to watching that grow as, as so many other things. Was there anything else that you want to update as far as what's going on in Canada? I know Janice was going to call in, but I don't think she's called in yet. I I don't have any way to reach to her. Yeah, that's, uh, well, you know, I mean, I've I've noted that we're still at it. Uh, even this week, we've had raids in in uh, New Brunswick, I believe it was, and, and in Ottawa. Um, it it's never ending. These the continuation of of raids. We do have uh, you know small little outposts of of dispensaries all throughout the country, um, but it it is a nice positive note to realize that we seem to have more sprouting up than we have them taking down um, as <laughs> much as the <laughs> as, as much as, as much as the uh, as much as the government keeps coming in and shutting places down we have more places opening up and in fact um, cannabis culture they their locations have been opening up under different names um, even as as fast as a day or two after they they were shut down um, Overgrow so, the world. You know, the I Toronto love it. Police. Well, that's the answer. You know, that that's the you answer. You can imagine. They knock down one, put up two in its place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you could imagine, the Toronto Police Services were the ones that coordinated coordinated nationwide raids against wow. all of these different uh, cannabis culture locations, and uh, the very next day there was a location that was open. Um, that uh, they just put a, a piece of paper over the cannabis culture sign and just opened with no name, and people were in there <laughs> and buying buying uh, cannabis, and and uh, they were paying taxes. So, you know, it's uh, it. it's really a funny thing. Well, I uh, I definitely appreciate you uh, calling in with the update. I, I'm hoping that uh, uh, we'll get some more regular updates on on the show. Uh, hopefully, some more positive news and uh love to you know uh if somebody wants to participate um 
you know, with the Manitoba chapter of the Human Solution, how how would they get a hold of you? I know it looks like Janice just tried to call in um, and she dropped. But um, you know, if somebody wants to help out and they're up in the area, um, how how would they reach you? You know, um, the Human Solution International, uh, Janice and, and Devin have done a great job putting together a, a page on Facebook. Uh, it's pretty easy to find the Friendly Manitoba chapter of, of uh, THSI. Um, myself, I'm on Facebook at uh, Mike Mailman, like the guy that delivers the mail. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter under uh, Mailman Farms. Uh, I spell that with a P-H, uh, P M A I L M A N P H A R M S. Um, Beautiful. I just encourage anyone and everyone to uh, at least get out and participate in the uh, court process, and and help somebody get through one court process at a time, whether they're willing to take the plunge and 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 actually join the Human Solution International right away or not, I'm, I'm quite confident that after uh, spending one day in court and seeing how it goes, people will definitely be willing to spend a little more effort. You never come uh, out of court the way you man. came in. It, you're always going to be uh, dumbfounded and, and, and awestruck about the things that happen inside the courtroom. It doesn't seem to matter where in the world it happens. We've had uh, accounts of uh, court hearings from uh, France, Great Britain, Canada, uh, Mexico, all over the world, and they have that in common. You go in and you expect some sort of, uh, uh, you have an expectation of a certain kind of justice, and you come out um, with your eyes wide open going, oh, my God, I can't believe what I just saw. Well, Mike, I very much appreciate you being out there, and, uh, you know, I do have the intention of uh, coming up to Manitoba one day in the next couple of years, um, hopefully sooner than later. I'd love to see the country and uh um, you know, uh, get out there and rally with you folks. Um, it would, nothing would make me happier. Actually, my wife has family up in uh, up in Canada, in um, God, the eastern part of Canada, I believe. So, um, anyways, I, I I very much appreciate it. I know Janice is uh, just called in, and uh, but we do have uh, our, actually our main topic of the show. We're going to talk to uh, some folks in San Diego um, about wrongful termination, real quick, and then we'll bring Janice up. So. Um, Thank you so much, Mike, and uh, hopefully you can stick on the show and listen to the rest of it. Thanks a lot, Joe. It's been a pleasure. All right. Again, Mike Mailman from Monit- Manitoba, Canada, and um, what what a what a story! Uh, unbelievable raids across the nation. Uh, they're shutting down dispensaries right and left after promises of legalization. All right. So now we have um, Pepe Velez and Debbie Kashik. Uh, from San Diego, and I'm going to put them both on the line. Now, remember, folks, if you're listening on the show right now, and, number one, uh, you need to talk quickly because you're running out of time or some reason or another, press 1. And if you press 1, it'll bump you up to the top of the line, and it'll tell me that I have a priority. Otherwise, I usually bring folks on in the order they come in, and uh, we'll just continue up this way. So um, let's see. Here we go. We got Pepe Velez. Pepe, you're on the line with Joe. And this is a cup of Joe. Welcome to the show. Are you there? Oh, we got a connection issue. Can you hear me? Let's try Debbie here. Debbie, you're live on the air as well. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, Joe. Hi. All right. I I have a bad connection on the other side. Is uh, is Pepe on the line? Um, he says he's done. No, I'll just lock up the ears. Okay, well, let's uh, go ahead and um, tell me what's going on. Tell me about this story. Um, uh, we, we talked a couple of days ago, um, and you told me that uh, they were calling for a, a mandatory urine test, uh, a, a random test. And they claim that he tested positive, but he doesn't use cannabis. So why don't you tell us kind of what, what, what brought this about? Um, you, this is a, a Caltrans job, you say? Yes, it is. So why don't you, yeah, why don't you give us a little history about what happened that, that brought, brought this event to happen? You've been an employee with Caltrans for 10 years, uh, working on uh, the state's highways and whatnot, um, and... You know, you don't work at a at a state type job for ten years without some kind of um, um, comfort of you know. That's one of the things about these kind of jobs is you have job security, and uh, doesn't seem like that was the case with you. So tell me what happened. Okay, basically what what happened is uh, they have random tests all the time. Okay, so they called me in for a test and everything, but before that. A, Co-worker for the trial warned me, hey, they're going to piss test you no, today. No, a retiree. A retired employee. Okay, so anyways, they, they, they test me. Uh, so then when they call me back, they turn around and tell you I got very, very little amount of marijuana within my system. And they're wondering how. And I turn around and explain to them that my significant other smokes it for her scoliosis in her back, you know, to ease the pain and everything. And then I end up getting a call that, that don't come into work tomorrow, you're fired, that's it. And I'm like, can, can I take another test or anything, a hair strand test to try and prove to you guys I don't smoke, you know? And basically what and, I'm looking for is a... Is there some is sort of a... Go ahead. Go ahead. Isn't there some sort of a of a main office or somebody that you can talk to, a uh, human resources or some somebody. It seems like this is something that happened, you know, in a real in a real local, uh, you know, like it, I mean, Caltrans is a statewide agency. It's got it's got, you know, uh, a, a, a huge amount of employees. It seems like this was a very local decision, isn't there? Uh, aren't you guys unionized, or isn't there something that you can, you know, some kind of a representative that you can talk to? Yeah, they do. They do have a human resources, uh, but the problem is, is now they just want to terminate me, and you know, without doing the facts. And I, I actually want to take them to court, and I want to sue them for wrongful termination. Is what I want to do. And I know one thing about their attorneys: their attorneys suck. Okay, the other day they sent the flyer out that that they're all proud because they finally won a case. They fold all the time. You know, I want to take them to court. I want to sue their asses off. You know, because I well, we were smoke. supposed to have a couple of attorneys call in today, but as you know, attorneys um, sometimes are difficult to get to do what they say, and it it still may be that they call in towards the end of the show. Hopefully, they will. Um, but I specifically reached out to two attorneys um, and invited them to come onto the show to talk about wrongful termination, and they both said they would. So maybe um, towards the end of the show, we'll at least have that. Um, Basically, what we're looking for is somebody who has um, knowledge of the process of a wrongful termination suit. Uh, this is 
a little bit outside of our normal um, uh, legal, you know, support, but it certainly falls within our civil rights side of things, and it certainly, you know, falls into something that I believe we should stand behind. Um, I'm unfortunately, you know, not versed in this kind of law the way I am in a lot of criminal elements because I've just been through those and not this. Um, But uh, I definitely would, you know, want to put the word out that if anybody knows of an attorney or or, uh, knows of somebody who has been through this sort of a case and can offer some sort of guidance uh, to please reach out. Um, If somebody was to uh, have some advice or some help for you, how would they reach you? Uh, you can call me at 619-905-3087. Okay, and if you missed that, folks, just remember this show is archived, and you can go back and rewind it, listen to it, um, and so everything that's said is immortalized, and, you know, there's there's nothing get, that gets lost. Uh, and, Debbie, I know you're on you're on Facebook if you want to make a post, and you can even put a post up on the Human Solution page. Um, that has a little bit of details about what you're looking for. Uh, that's, again, one of the things that a grassroots organization has um, its strength, is that we have members all over the country and in other countries as well, and there's a broad, you know, we're all connected by a few degrees of separation. So uh, somebody knows somebody who can be helpful. It's just a matter of getting this message out broad enough where that person who goes, you know what, I, I think I can help gets it. Yes. Somebody, yes, I believe somebody will. I've been a legal patient since 2000, before there was even a letter, Joe. My doctor wrote, if I were able to, I would prescribe medical marijuana. And I've been flying with that ever since then. I've been legal since the year 2000. I believe somebody will reach out for us. Well, and I think that it's important that, um, you know, if you listen to the opening of the show, um, there's a uh, there's a lyric, uh, the drum beats pounded in my brain, and that's what we need to do. We need to beat that drum, and uh, I, 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 it's we just need to let people know about it, um, get a post out there, talk about it. Um, you're welcome to come on to the show uh, and give updates if you if you hear about anything. I will continue yeah. to reach out to the attorneys I know and uh, reach out for attorneys I don't that can help out with this. I think this is an element of our legal clinic that could be very beneficial to a lot of people. You're not the only ones that have gone through this. State case, which could set precedence, you know, and we're willing to go on a a contingency basis right now, you know. Sure. So I believe, I believe in the human the human solution, or I wouldn't be talking to you, Joe. We've talked before. <laughs> well, I know you have been a, an active member for several years now, and uh, it's 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 you know folks like you that help keep this organization going, and and you know that's why we do it. You know that we can be there for those that need it, and uh, uh, you know on both sides of it. So, all right. Well, listen. Um, put a post together that has a little bit of details about the case, and um, I'm going to – give me a call tomorrow. You guys have my number, 
and I'm going to talk about a, I'll, I'll let you know a couple of other ideas I have as to how to maybe reach out to somebody. Um, but let's first get it posted, and we'll we'll put it up on all the Human Solution public pages, and um, you know, hopefully somebody will bite and um, jump in and say, "Wow, this is a slam dunk," and 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 take this home and and get you either a settlement or your job back or both. And um, you know, this is this is ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense, and it seems like this was a personal uh, vendetta for some reason or another. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a personal vendetta. Uh, Joe, I even have my own Alcohol police officer that he, we, we, I'm a neighborhood watch block captain, little tiny, and I tell him about the, the drug homes here, or the mess homes, and he even said to sue the state of California last night when I told him what happened. Wow. Well, there okay. you go. Maybe that's the answer, so... I um, certainly hope California wouldn't put up a uh, a big fight over this. It seems ridiculous. Um, it, it, it bothers me that my tax dollars are are being squandered. Um, I'd rather I'd rather have my tax dollars go to uh, have have the roads fixed and have your husband be part of the team fixing them. So um, you know that's that's what it's supposed to be for. If you've ever driven down California roads, uh, we need more fixing and less firing. So. All right, you guys, um, let's uh, get that post together, and I'll look for it for tomorrow, and um, we will we will get on and, and do it the way we do it. Thank you, Joe. That sounds very good. Thank you very much. All right, you guys. You take care. Thanks for yeah. calling the show, and feel free to call next week and give us an update. Oh, we will. Thank you. All right. You guys take care. Again, yeah. Debbie and Pepe from San Diego, um, and Pepe was – uh, terminated supposedly for use of marijuana when he doesn't use marijuana. Uh, unbelievable. It just uh, continues to be uh, the fallout from prohibition, you know, for all of us, everybody who thinks that, oh, we passed a law, we're legal, everything's good. Um, you know, we have more cases in California that I know about than any other place. Now, it's probably because I live here and I hear about them more, but Nonetheless, um, in states where it is legal, uh, there's no shortage of cases. Um, we're going to bring up Janice from Friendly Manitoba next, and um, I just want to give a, a brief update. And remember, if you're calling in and you have a question and, for somebody or you have a comment that you want to make, and when you originally talked to our amazing screener, Noncompliant Mary, you said you just wanted to listen. All you got to do is hang up. And call right back. And when she picks up the phone, you say, I have something I want to say. Um, or the other thing you can do is dial 1, and it will bump you up to the top of the list. And when I see that happen, I'll say, oh, there's somebody who wants to talk. So uh, I just want to make sure I don't have any way to communicate with you on the line uh, directly unless I just randomly pull somebody up. So I, I want to make sure that, as always, if anybody has something they want to add to this show, they have an opportunity to do so. Um, and so I, I want to briefly talk about a case in Colorado that I heard about. I don't know a whole lot of details about it, but there was a raid, um, and there were 12 people that were arrested on a federal case. And um, apparently the allegations are that um, there was at least one legal dispensary owner, and they're claiming that there was um, – Sales to other states. That's their big premise. And so they got uh, a dozen people involved. 
And for anybody who thinks that this was a Trump thing, well, if you know anything about federal raids, they typically investigate a case for a minimum of four to six months um, and before they, they pull the trigger on anything. So um, this would have been initiated still definitely in Obama's term. Um, just realize that, that these federal cases have not stopped. Uh, they Oftentimes they don't get a lot of press, but they're case after case after case. And remember, uh, the federal government wins 99% of its cases. In fact, I don't know of any pot case that's ever been won that went to trial. There's been a handful of cases that were pled down and little or no prison time was, was given, but there's still a, a federal felony attached to it. So um, very few full victories on our in our arena on the federal government side. And just remember that if they come after you, they've got all the resources and you know we're not done until we're done and if you think that you know you're skating because your state has passed a law just think about all of the federal prisoners that we stand behind and unfortunately the new ones that keep coming in um it's not over till it's over folks so please if you know any more about this case let let me know and uh we can move on forward all right we have one of my favorite human solution members janice Davis from Friendly, Manitoba. And, you know, I want to talk about this chapter. Uh, Janice, how long have you guys been chartered now? It's been at least two or three years now, I think. I think three years, right? Yes, three years. Three years. And, you know, for a while you guys were just this the smallest little chapter, but I swear you guys have accomplished more in your three years. Um, you, you just are always active. You've always been uh, – uh, always doing something and and i can remember a couple of years ago you guys were reaching out to one of the local prisons and i had written a letter on behalf of of, of your chapter and in, in hopes of uh, uh getting inside the prison and making some uh some communication in there and they they soundly rejected us but but it wasn't for lack of effort and you guys have done court support for a number of cases and i've seen you speak at rallies and marches and and you guys are just a little chapter that could. I'm just so honored and, and, and privileged to have you as part of our team. Thank you, Joe. Um, nice to talk to you today. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, um, yeah. with regards to court support, um, yeah, there's not a lot of people, though, that like the attention that court support gives, although uh, those that we have given court support for have um, had uh, comfort having people attend court with them. Um, but as a part of an illustration, there has been a few people where I've kind of taken the reins and did all the court support platform for them and kind of, kind of an illustration to people to show them how to use the platform. So kind of giving a little bit of, um, I don't know, just pro providing some information on how to go about doing that. So, Well, that's really important. Um, one of the things that, you know, we established it, it, as we became an organization uh, was figuring out how, how to make court support successful. You know, court support can be a double-edged sword, and I've witnessed in my own trial we had a few people that just were disruptive and um, ended up, you know, making a mockery of things for a moment. We were able to, to bring it around to some degree, but um, – 
when a bunch of people come together, it can be very powerful or it can be very damaging, and it can be terrifying for a defendant sometimes, especially if there's people that are, you know, unknowns. And, um, you know, we have carefully gone through and created a, a couple of pages on our site that go through the the importance of, of how to behave in court and things to make sure you do and don't do. And, um, you know, it's, it's happened out of, you know, literally thousands of hours spent in courtrooms and, and learning about the things. And I think there's a consistency in courts around the world, the level of respect that you need to maintain um, in order to have to empower that support. And that's actually the key behind the power is that you're in that courtroom with a level of respect. Uh, if you show up and you're just being disruptive, you become a, a problem to the court. And courts deal with problems usually swiftly and painfully. So, um, you know, I can definitely understand where people um, are afraid because many people that are activists um, have problems behaving. <laughs> and it's definitely. part of our nature in some ways. <laughs> we're, we're, we could be an unruly bunch. But I've always said, you know, to the people uh, who are coordinating support to, to really um, meet with the people that are coming in to attend, come up with a plan. Um, we have a couple of things that we do that sort of solidify our, our strategy that, you know, shows us together as a unified team. Obviously, we have our little solidarity ribbons, our green ribbons with the Red Cross that you guys make very well. And um, most of the time, the courts allow those ribbons in the courtroom. So occasionally, they, they reject them, but most of the time, they allow them. Uh, another thing we do, and, and we don't always do it, but it's something that we have done in the past, um, in court, when the judge arrives in the room, um, everybody stands, and then the judge will say, you can be seated. But one of the things we've done, especially when a defendant is brought in from custody, uh, we'll stand up when the defendant comes in. And we don't say anything. We don't do anything other than that. We just all stand up, and as soon as they seat the defendant, we sit down. Um, that's one of the things we've done. It's a It's a bit of a defiant act, but if it's done right and it's done you know, with respect, there isn't really anything the court has ever done or said or or, or reacted. Um, and then the final thing that usually has a big impact, especially when there's a hearing that is not the whole courtroom, um, when the defendant's hearing is over and all the supporters get up in one time and walk out quietly and respectfully, it, it, it leaves an imprint you know, the court recognizes that all these people were here for that person and that one hearing, and they didn't cause any problems. They were just silent observers. So those are things that we've noticed in particular. Um, and I've always said that when somebody's a little unruly or, you know, you can just tell the ones that are going to be problems, you say, you know, why don't you stay outside of court and rally? <laughs> because that you can yell and scream and, and, and hold signs and all you want without it causing harm to the person inside. That's for sure, the right place at the right time. Um, we've Absolutely. not had any problems um, with the ribbons in the courtroom. And with regards to the defendant, usually the defendant is in the room before the judge enters. Um, so we've Got always stood up and sat at the same time and um, yeah, haven't really had much disruption in the courtroom for the ones that I've attended. 
And then also, too, yeah, I know that feeling of leaving the courtroom one by one after, you know, his the one person or the defendant's case is over, too. Yeah, I've experienced that, and that's um, a nice feeling for the defendant to have that support. Yes, definitely. Yes. So um, you guys have a few cases going on right now that you guys have been supporting. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on with those cases? Um, well, there's just the one right now um, in here here in Manitoba and Winnipeg, and the guy has actually been in custody since April 19, 2016. And um, he had his both him and his wife at one time were in custody, but his wife has recently been released as well as his sons. And he, he John still remains in custody, and I think um, they're trying for bail review. He has uh, he speaks a different language, so there's a little bit of language barrier in the courtroom. Um, it's a case of uh, having a medical license to grow and possess, and um, him and his wife both did. So um, we're just in a position, I think his trial is coming up soon, so I'd be able to report further on that. But as far as um, his case has progressed, he's had lawyers, many lawyers, and his lawyers have stepped down, and now he's self-representing himself. And I think he has some people out in his community that are trying to help pull for bail, a bail review until his trial comes. So, so yeah, it's a, a long, long process for, for him um, trying to get through this with upcoming legalization, et cetera. Wow. You know, I, I can't even imagine, um, I mean, even even don't don't you guys have a public defender? I mean, how how is it that he's allowed to represent himself here in the states? Um, they um, will give you a defender. Of, there is aid, but I think his his um, aid quit on him. So wow. that's why he has his own support um, that are going to um, represent him at this point. So, yeah, he, I, what was it called? Um, Legal aid. Yeah, his legal aid lawyer had actually quit. Wow. that's That's got to be harsh. I can't, um, you know, I had a situation where my first trial, you know, we had raised money for an attorney. Well, I paid him mostly off. I still actually owe him some money, but um, he stepped down. For my second trial, I had a uh, a public defender, and he tried to get out of uh, uh, defending me, and he tried to claim that you know I had made all this money and all the allegations they had made about me um, in the first trial. He just took his fact and um, literally was trying to you know make it to where that he wasn't going to defend me at all. And uh, it, it was a scary moment to think that I might be stuck without an attorney. You know, I'd already been stripped of all my money. And I was, you know, exhausted from trying to raise money for my first trial. I just didn't have it in me to do it again. And uh, I ended up going about it a, a little different way. But um, I did end up getting convincing him to stay on board. Um, but it, I speak English. <laughs> I couldn't imagine, you know, being in a country. If if I was in, you know, Korea or or Bangladesh or wherever the heck, you know, some other place, and I was trying to defend myself, uh, I couldn't even imagine what that would be like. He must be terrified. Yeah, he does speak some English, but he is Vietnamese, um, you know. Uh, 
But also, too, um, one of the last things that did happen to him in court is he had actually a paid lawyer that re- that re- had not con- had any contact with him until one of his court appearances. And I know that he was in a position of wanting to have a tr- uh, push for a trial ju- jury at that time. And when mm-hmm. his lawyer came in, they met for a half hour before the court started. And then he ended up pleading guilty to everything. Um, everything happened so quick. And then in the end, uh, he didn't realize the complete terms of what he was agreeing to. And that's, you know, having a poor interpreter as well. And also, too, with his lawyer just coming in and just having a talk with him and telling him, you're not going to win, and et cetera. And didn't care about his medical license um, through, through the Health Canada program, et cetera. So I haven't been updated um, since that other than he has no lawyer. He's representing himself. Um, he has some people that are going to be trying to get him out on bail or attempting. And so, yeah, I don't know where he's going so from he there. Does he have family but, uh, or are there some other supporters that are helping him? Who are these he, other people? Um, there are people that he was associated with um, in terms of a business, um, future business that they were planning. So these would Got be it. business associates that have um, – they're very knowledgeable in law and are able to do um, affidavits and, and filings on his behalf. Oh, good. Well, at least he's got, you know, some some internal support going on there. Well, listen, um, I, it's 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 important, and uh, as as people learn more about this, I mean, you know, you made a statement to me the other day that it, it's never the same once you go to court, you know, and and Mike had the same, you know, uh, sentiment. And I've seen it over and over again where people come to court for the first time um, just to show support for somebody, whether they know them or not. And they walk out of court with that look of almost a glazed look of, I, I can't believe what I just saw. And, and I believe that if anybody cares about ending prohibition, they should at least one time uh, show support for somebody in court, whether you know them or not. It will open your eyes, and it will cause you to understand in a deeper level what this is all about and and why we fight the way we do why we we those of us who don't have to fight anymore still do because it's it's so important that uh even if it wasn't about cannabis the fact that people have lost their freedoms and they are in such grave danger of losing freedoms over something that is innocent over something that has never hurt anybody before and helped so many people there's a fundamental wrong about that that needs to be righted. And, you know, if you go and sit in court one time and you witness uh, the the bias, the, the slant that there is against a defendant and, and for the government, um, it will cause you to, to want to come back. It will cause you to want to be there. Hopefully it doesn't scare you away. Um, but I, I definitely encourage anybody, if you're if you're in – uh, in Canada or have uh, friends, family in Canada, uh, please reach out to Janice and the Friendly Manitoba chapter and, and offer to, uh, you know, possibly show up for a court hearing or or, or whatever kind of support you can. Uh, Janice, how, how does one reach you if somebody wants to participate or help out with the Friendly Manitoba chapter? Um, I guess the best way would be through our Facebook page, um, the, friend, or the Human Solution Friendly Manitoba chapter. That would be the best way. And then other than that, it would be through those who know us. Um, but Facebook is probably the best best uh, approach. Well, what I'm going to do as soon as I get off the show, I'm going to share the Friendly Manitoba chapter page all over Facebook. So 
um, hopefully we'll get a uh, a response of people who are willing to uh, step up. It sounds to me with all these rates that have been going along, even if people aren't charged, there should be uh, the community should be shaken right now, and they should realize that there's a, there's there's a unifying uh, group of people out here that, that that want to bring people together, even if it's just to have a conversation, even if it's to 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 share stories and to uh, uh, maybe think about what can we do next. Um, that's what the human solution is all about, and um, you know it's about educating and supporting each other uh, with the goal of ending prohibition. So. That's, you know, that's it. Is there any anything else that you wanted to add? Um, I don't think so other than just being part of the court support to to I I've, I've always I feel drawn if anybody wants court support to to support them. Um it's and and I I don't mind helping anyone that wants to um use the court support platform if they need help utilizing on how to do it. Um but yeah, it does give you a good feeling, and and just yeah, with all the reads, I do feel like there is some sort of unity. We just need to connect it all, and and yeah, supporting each other is very important. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Janice. And again, it's a it's a honor to be marching along your side, and uh, and your husband Devin, and Mike, and and the rest of the team. It's uh, it's just great. It, it gives uh, uh, a deeper meaning to all the work that we're doing here in the states, and. Uh, it, it it helps to solidify our bond as freedom fighters and uh, uh, folks that are just out here trying to be a part of the solution. So I look forward to talking with you soon, and uh, thank you so much for your update. You're welcome, and thank you too, Joe. And I just wanted to say thanks a lot to Mike for calling in and giving an overview on the raids in Canada and his perspective on things because it was uh, excellent. Uh, he did a great job, and uh, we're we're grateful as well. All right. Once again, Janice from Friendly Manitoba Chapter, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Okay, so we got a few callers that just popped on, um, and you know we got 15 minutes left of the show. And as luck would have it, uh, we'll run long sometimes. And so what I'm going to do is, Corby, I'm going to give you the cleanup spot, and I'm going to bring these. I have two more callers that just came in, and everybody's going to get plenty of time to speak. Um, you know, I have sort of a grace period with this show, even though it's over, there's not a show directly following this on this station. So, um, I get a little bit of a window, uh, uh, to go long if I need to. So rather than droning on about that window, I want to thank the coffee party radio station once again, for giving us an opportunity to have this amazing show. Um, so we have next up, uh, James Kirk short to speak. Um, and he looks like he's calling from NorCal. And then uh, we've got Nicholas Williams from Georgia. And then we'll bring up Tom Corby with the NorCal report. So we've got uh, James. Welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going fantastic. You know, not well, how's it going with you? <laughs> not much has happened since last week. Mm. Talked with my lawyer today about uh, getting Chris Conrad. He hasn't hired okay. him yet. And, right. uh, Chris is a little sitting. expensive, but sometimes he works with people. Yeah. Well, I've been talking with him since 2012 about all this, so he knows this case. Right, right. Good. Yeah, Chris is a good guy. He's a he's a real good guy. Yeah. But, yeah, we uh, – um, I went and talked with, because I, I shared a parking lot 
with the whole with the, it was a business plaza, right? And there was other warehouses. And one of the businesses across the way was uh, the tax people. And everybody calls this lady Miss P because everybody knows her. All the farmers come there to get her their taxes done and all that. Right. And you know that was cool that I actually asked permission. To, would they mind if I moved in next door and grew my medical marijuana? And they were like, no. And I asked them, would they do my taxes? So hopefully, you know, they're they're writing up a letter and hopefully going to be subpoenaed in the court during my Macintosh okay. hearing. You know, that's about all that's happened so since last. You're you're still set for what was it? April. April twelfth. I forget the date. At, April twelfth. Got it. Yeah, at nine. 9 a.m. Okay, and and have you had a chance to get that up on our calendar? I'm not sure if it is or not. Okay, well, uh, maybe uh, if you're able to, that's great. If not, maybe one of our other NorCal members or Mary, maybe. Uh, actually, Mary, why don't you uh, jump yes. on the line and get, get the information? Beautiful. Right, It's yes, it's in process, yes. Awesome, awesome. See, you're in good hands. Mary is uh, not only our very non-compliant screener, but she also manages the calendar as needed. <laughs> you guys are doing a good deed here. Well, you know what? We're just trying to make the world a better place and a place where you can't, won't have to worry about going to jail for a plant anymore. And we just think that that's wronger than wrong and I I certainly don't want to get locked up for pot again, and uh, but it, it doesn't mean I'm going to change my ways, and so we just well, have to make a world that is a little bit more uh, supportive of of people trying to make the world better and and healing each other. It's uh, it's just that simple. All right, James. Well, uh, we are running low on time. I'm going to try to squeeze in in our allotted amount, but I appreciate you calling in with the update, and I encourage you to continue doing so. All right, we'll keep up the good work. Thank you. You betcha. You take care now. All right, we got Nicholas from Georgia, and uh, let's see what's going on out in Georgia. How's it going? Welcome to the show, Nicholas. Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Joe. How's it going for you? You know, it's going fantastic. It's been uh, a good year for me. Um, uh, there's a lot of change brewing right now, and I'm, I'm really trying to uh, position the support and, and – uh, you know, gather the momentum. We've got some amazing cases that are in the works. We've got some proactive uh, uh, cases going on, and mm-hmm. um, we're hopefully more and more people are are willing to to stand up and and push push the wall down. Uh, yes, what's sir. What's happening um, in Georgia? Well, uh, besides the aquifers, like about five or ten years from now, we're going to have water wars, as you know. You see. When uh, that whole conspiracy about that senator up in uh, Washington, uh, you know, him uh, basically uh, illegalizing it all, well, what happened was because he owned the paper industry and a lot of timber farms, you see, we use so much water. Like, uh, I'm not going to name names, but there are a few. I I live very close to uh, a paper company not that far away, and I've worked at a paper company myself. Plus, I've taken ecology. I'm a third-year uh, graduate from Armstrong. I work a minimum wage job, and uh, I pay very close attention to the political climate and as the climate as a whole of this global earth. Uh, and 
it's come to my attention that over the past, I would, what you say, 70 years, give or take, uh, since the illegalization of cannabis and not only that, hemp, I've noticed that uh, the depletion of the water levels has gone down because not only are we trying to farm trees for worthless paper and not only printing our bills off of that too, mind you, <clears throat> we're also uh, putting out a lot of chemicals in this processing to produce the paper. See, not that many people know about this, and it's come to my attention that it really needs to be uh, let out there. And if we want to replenish our water storage, we need to uh, first get on to the paper companies. Like Kentucky, I've noticed that they have uh, uh, really taken a head fast into the hemp legalization. I, I understand with the way I stand on it, I think that uh, – all drugs should be decriminalized, in all honesty, because that's the best uh, system right there. Now, as far as uh, weed, I think uh, I can bring out four separate scriptures in the Holy Bible, in King James. Well, and not only that, the Apocrypha. I, I know <laughs> that we, we've got only a little bit amount of time to talk, and it seems like you've got a lot mm-hmm. to say. What I'd like to do, um, especially as we're talking about hemp and um, you know how cannabis got Ill- got made illegal to begin with and you mm-hmm. get into William Randolph Hearst and the paper companies there you and go. The, <laughs> the newspaper and all of that. Um that's a whole discussion that I'd like to have and that there's there's a much more of a show that I could dedicate to it. So what I'd like to do is invite you to come back next week and we'll craft a part of the show to talk about the hemp industry and um you know the the viability, what how it represents a sustainable solution to uh, you know, deforestation and paper production and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yes, do have sir. a couple um, of other callers that I need to get in, get in before we oh. run out of time. So I do encourage you to call back next week. And okay. uh, I'm going to try to craft a part of the show that will uh, embrace this topic and we can get into it deeper. Okay, no problem. Uh, please have your people contact me with that, and I'll I'll be sure to get back with y'all. And I'd just like to add one more thing, Mr. Joe, and I'm letting you go so you can talk, uh, get the sure. free ter- time, okay? Yep. Now, I've noticed this as a local Georgian, and I've seen pictures of the past of 70 years, and I went from 70 years to t- now. We have decreased, and this is how I validate my reasoning, we have decreased the amount of fresh springs in Georgia. Georgia is like a water sink, and it's supposed to soak up a lot of water. I mean, that's, I'll talk more about it uh, next week, but I just want to let that sink in to everybody who's listening out there. Water is precious. It is a viability for our lifeblood as human race, and we need to respect this planet and re- uh, give back our, our moral and uh, ethic laws to give, us, give back the pe- uh, power to the people as it was meant to be in the uh, republic. All right. God bless you. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, and I and I do agree that (laughs) we're all made out of water, and uh, we need to protect it. So, um, I look forward to speaking with you next week. Though, call back in and and let's talk a little bit more about it. Thank you very much, Mister. All right. Once again, Nicholas from Georgia. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, we've got Brent calling in from from Matt Pappas, and then uh, Tom Corby with the NorCal report, and that's about all we're going to have time for this week. 
Once again, we did not get to a conversation I wanted to have, um, but that's just because we got so much to talk about and so many people participating. Appreciate everybody that's been a part of the show so far. Um, here we go, a lightning round. We've got Brent calling in for Matt Pappas. Welcome to the show, Brent. Good to talk to you finally. Yeah, <laughs> good to talk to you too, Joe. Um, how, are you, how are you doing? Doing fantastic. We burned up two hours quicker than uh, than, than I ever thought possible, but uh, we're going to run a little bit of overtime, so tell us what's going on uh, with the Pappas Law Firm. Well, we... Um... <laughs> I think uh, Matt wanted to, wanted me to to make sure to um, cover a little bit about the stuff we've been uh, uh, doing with David Allen, Doctor David Allen. Um, okay. And and as we have gotten uh, to well, we had gotten to spend a good chunk of time with him up in San, in Sacramento, um, I suppose a month or so ago, and uh, a little more than a month, and. Um, and his uh, case with the, the there there are so many things. A lot of the things we do, we just sort of have to uh, we surmise or we um, infer from you know connecting the dots. But there are, there are a lot of things that indicate that there is a, a great amount of effort put into um, uh, getting him to not be able to practice uh, medicine and. Um, a, some personal agendas on some other people's part and the medical board and, and all that. So we're sort of uncovering a lot of that stuff as we've gone along. He's a guy who tends to uh, ca- catalog a lot of information and he keeps good records and he, and he's got a good memory of how things occurred. So, um, so there's a really good case for him. And, uh, and I think that probably it can open up some avenues for, uh, other doctors who have been wrongfully uh, uh, either, uh, you know, they've, they've been jailed or made to pay fines or reprimanded or have their license revoked or uh, whatever, all based on um, things that are unlawful, unlawfully done by the authorities. And, and, and you know, it's kind of these days not uh, not a unique story, you know to find that law enforcement and legislators and <laughs> elected officials and any any other uh, number of titles we can throw in there aren't doing things the way they should be doing things. But but uh, it's good. It's it's going to be good for David, and it's going to, I think, open up the way for a lot of other people who have been wrongfully treated. So, so that's kind of the story on that. Well, I, I appreciate the update, and uh, I know that uh, Matt's just um, relocated his practice, and uh, hopefully there's going to be a lot of new activity going on. I did want to make aware, I, I did talk to him briefly, well, messaged him anyways, about uh, this wrongful termination case, and maybe there's uh, some way that he can uh, reach out to these people and, and even give them a little bit of direction as to what what can be done i mean if uh it seems like a a, a hugely winnable case um but once again yeah, without it is, it, anybody it, it knowing is how to go about it yeah it it definitely is and and um and you know david's this the, the number of things that he's got that are sort of hot and on on the plate um uh sort of revolving around some of these same issues um 
uh, yeah, he's got he's got a he he's got a winnable case for sure. And um, and I think that if there, you know, I I think that uh, we have had a lot of since we moved into Westminster, um, we've had uh, just I don't know double the activity if not more. Um, so just trying to do you know everything from here from uh, from Orange County to Ventura County all the way up to Northern California. Um, <laughs> I, I been, fully uh, appreciate that. <laughs> has been. It's, we really just have been going nonstop since I can't remember when. So, um, uh, but there, are, you know, there are some, and there are some really shining cases. We've got a case with with a collective in Ventura that is uh, that, that was headed up by a man named Jeff Kroll, who's just uh, an amazing human being, um, beyond being a, a, a sort of what a what a, a unique figure he. He is a pioneer in um, in medical cannabis, but he's just also a really terrific guy. Um, his case with the Ventura County Sheriff and their wrongful raid and seizure, um, that's a really good case. And that's going to – the thing that I, that I think we focus on uh, always to some degree uh, as an ancillary thing to any case is – the eyes that you the, the the perspective of what it will do for cases that come behind it, and uh, yep. David Allen's case is uh, is a good example of that, and um, and Jeff Kroll's case is a good example of that with Shangri La Care Collective, and um, and you know the things that you know if these if these agencies of of you know law and and bureaucracy don't have to start to pay consequences, they're not going to change anything. And uh they will just keep doing I mean if there are consequences if there are no consequences, why would you why would you change anything? You know, so so we're sort of here to deliver consequences and I think that the that the uh that the wake of that will be that um those agencies will have to give more thought to if they're going to act in the manner that they have been doing for so long or if they are if they are going to not want to <laughs> uh have to pay millions of dollars for the error of their actions. Um well exactly and, and, and taking the, the proactive stance is always uh, a better position than defending yourself. Uh well listen yeah. we are absolutely officially out of time and I've got to okay. give Tom Corby a couple of minutes to do a NorCal report, but I do appreciate you coming in and I would uh, invite you to come back uh, next week and, and continue the updates. Uh, there's so many cases and so many things going on, and we catch, you know, only slivers of the action, and, and it helps people to know what they can do when they know what's needed and where the where, where things are happening, and, uh, you know, that's that's a big part of what this show's about. Brett, All right, I appreciate well, cool. you I would being love part you. of the show, I, and I uh, hopefully we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, I'll check back in with more info, and, and uh and thank you for the time. It was good to talk to you, and and, uh, and we'll be in touch next week. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Give my best to Matt. You got it. All right, Joe. All right. All right, here we go. We're going to wrap up the show with the NorCal Report and the amazing Tom Corby to deliver it. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, Mary, Bobby Rodrigo. And a coffee party radio show. 
Oh, and also Shona Bond Panda. That's good to hear the news. Always. When we talk about James Denham, don't forget about his two nice boys. I could expound for two hours right here about the Benoff case, historical lightning. To see Joseph Culley and his team in action again and being personally invited up for the closing arguments. You were also invited up, Joe, and your team. It was just overnight that they decided they wanted court support. There were 30 to 40 of us there, two out. To hit their trial and the closing argument. The code of conduct and dress was impeccable. Good. One thing we learned that we must adjust from regular hearings when we go and there's jurors there. We always respect the jurors, and I try to tell people when the jurors come in and go out, we stand. And we, and we respect them and acknowledge them. We don't just go out. Uh, that, that's mine. Tully's uh, always grateful for court support. And when I talk, it's three to one against CDA Hannah, as all three defendants have. Hey, Bob, can you put the phone up a little closer to your mouth? You sound like. Your phone's a little far away. Thanks for reminding me I did. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Uh, Everybody wants right, to hear what so you're saying, that's all. How's that? Better? Much better. All right, good. Now, so what I'm trying to say is think about it. All three defendants have attorneys, and they're a part of the Tully team. So when they bring their motions in, and especially in closing, all three of them get to spend their time even though it's basically saying the same thing, that, in fact, DDA, DDA, the deputies are not the attorneys. They're the actual uh, district attorneys, uh, the deputy attorneys. Uh, All he had really to think about it was circumstantial evidence, like many of these trials Joe knows. And uh, we could see that the would be coming impatient that he kept repeating, uh, reaching and reaching through any kind of deal. Uh, for instance, uh, when, when they talked about sales, he only said there was some paperwork that insinuated that he was getting 7000 a pound, which is absurd, we know. Reasonable doubt plays such a huge thing when you think about 12 to 1 unanimous. That was brought out many times by the defense, and it played huge. The cut to the chase, they went to deliberation yesterday, uh, and today they came in with the verdict. All of the 17 charges dropped, except, and I predicted it as planted herb to syndication, except for the manufacturing vehicles. By the way, manufacturing vehicles are not covered under Prop 215. Colleagues will tell you 
only cold press hash. We can win in court overnight. Uh, James is so thankful. He's probably too emotional to talk on the radio show. His son, Logan, took the stand for six or seven hours and nailed it on educating them, and and it's nothing else. Those jurors are really getting an education. It was sad to hear one of the juries that I thought might nullify this case. I was right out of the three of them. He got up and said, I got to be back to work. Thank you for the education. Now I know how to make my oil. Could have saved Benno's head. He just stayed, at least stayed in and with the jurors, uh, had he known, he could have nullified the case and not been responsible for that. Uh, don't forget to breathe. Uh, uh, let's see. So I want to go on to Nick Moran real quick. He had his uh, THC, another one, uh, this last March 16th, uh, vying for more time. It's again, totally is up at bail trial. Uh, he was hoping to get two or three months, or he got his almost four months. And I want to thank the Ruby firm all day for stepping in for Tully. Uh, his PRC comes up uh, May 25th at 1.30 p.m. number one, Court Street. Uh, always uh, local court support requested. Alex Lyon has his TRC tomorrow, Thursday at 1.30, number one, Court Street. It is on the calendar. Uh, I doubt if James will take it to trial. Um, uh, I can read here real quick. Uh, Lions having waived his rights. This is on the counter, folks. You can go there and get updates and uh, a synopsis on each case we try to bring in. Having waived his rights to waive time, continues to demand a speedy trial, keeping Duke and DDA Jennings on the defense. Now demanding a 45-day time waiver, whereas he has to either dismiss the case or allow Alex a speedy trial. Now, DDA Jennings, by the way, who avoids us and can't even look at us, I think he's humiliated, has offered lines. It's an racist deal you cannot believe unheard of. That he will only be charged with a simple misdemeanor cultivation time served. No probation, minimal fine of $200. Attorney Stephanie Piano, we really like her. She's an exception to the rule, like Tully and Tabby. Replied that the only deal Alex will accept is a jaywalking ticket and no fine, or not over $100. DAJ counters, is that a joke? Why, in fact, if the county insists on taking lines on to trial for just two cannabis misdemeanors now under AUMA, wasting time and taxpayers' money, disrupting lives and families, this is illogical. Local courts always respect affected common bear witness to the injustices. If there's no victim, there should be no crime, case should be dismissed. Uh, a shout-out shout out to Matt Pappas and his team for coming for Dr. Allen finally, and so good to hear the news about his case. 
I want to thank all those on the front lines today coming together to do schedule canvas and then prohibition. No one should be going to jail for our plan. And my wife, Donna, will tell you, don't forget to breathe. Thank you all today. Well, thank you very much, Tom Corby, and thank you all the listeners and callers that have made this an amazing show, and we will see you all next week. I am Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always on my mind. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.